Welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Well, it is amazing to be back talking uh, cannabis with my good friend Chris Ionson, Territory Manager with Natural History. And this is the Cannabis 101 podcast, but it's the natural history of cannabis that we are talking about, episode one. And this is going to be something, Chris, I'm really excited about. We're going to go through some of the great stories and the great history when it comes to cannabis. And there's a lot of it. There's a lot more than people think. People think that this is the devil's weed and that's all they've ever known. They have no idea the vast history of cannabis. So it's awesome to be chatting with you because I know you have a lot of knowledge and exploring the natural history of cannabis. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, you know. Thanks for having me, man. It's, it's so it's nice for us to kind of get back to her. Uh, and yeah, like you said, um, you know, with the, the natural history of cannabis, um, you know, we've seen throughout the uh, civilizations and, and cultures of uh, and history of humans, we've seen uh, cannabis being used uh, medicinally, recreationally, um, and with that, uh, you know, the first known medical usage of cannabis came from uh, 2800 BC. Um, and that came, uh, Emperor Shen Nang of China uh, used cannabis tea to treat gout, uh, malaria, and oddly enough, uh, hmm. poor memory. I think that's pretty funny. Yeah, which, and listen, you and I know, um, and many other people know, that um, the the there's a lot of stereotypes uh, when it comes to cannabis. And, you know, they were shattering those stereotypes all the way uh, back to 2800 BC because they you were <laughs> using it to improve memory. And we know there are different forms of cannabis that people can use that can improve memory in different things or that have shown or people ha use it for different things. So it's awesome to see that uh, this was used for something that people now associate cannabis with of, be of, of forgetting things. So you go all the way back to 2800 BC and you start seeing a little bit of the truth about cannabis. Yeah, absolutely, uh, uh, for sure. And then we also had um, in India, uh, they were known uh, to use cannabis for its medicinal properties. Uh, and it was also told that the, the Hindu legend uh, Shiva was given the title of uh, the Lord of Bong uh, because cannabis was his favorite food. And they, they, Bong is, is cannabis out, uh, out there. Um, so his nickname was the Lord of Bong. Uh, quite the nickname. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And um, in the 1500s, um, you know, uh, we saw the Spanish bring uh, cannabis to the Americas, uh, where it would be used for practical purposes like clothing and rope, and that's kind of the the hemp times there. And um, even in uh, 1619 in Jamestown, Virginia, uh, it was announced that it had to grow hemp as it was supposed to be the crop of the future. So uh, it's kind of funny hmm. to see where that came around. So every farmer, um, you said every farmer, uh, you know, hemp was the kind of the in thing to be growing at that time. And I want to go back to the Lord of Bang or Bong. It's in a B-H-A-N-G, uh, yeah. which, which is how it was spelled. Um, and and I think that's, that's kind of cool that, uh, you know, we've talked about some terrific nicknames in the cannabis space when it comes to the, some of the breeders and things like that. 
that. And and you're going all the way back to to maybe the original cannabis nickname. Yeah, maybe like one of the OGs, the first ones. He's he's the Lord of Bong. Uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that. Okay, let's skip ahead now. So we're talking about uh, the 1600s um, and and uh, Jamestown, Virginia. Uh, we know, uh, you know, at different times in history, George Washington was a big proponent of growing hemp. Uh, if you watch the movie Dazed and Confused, he was uh, a big fan of uh, marijuana, according to Slade or, or uh, Slater's uh, story there uh, that he had. Uh, but let's skip into the 1800s now and, and cannabis maybe a little bit more introduced to Western medicine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, in, in the mid 1800s, uh, William Brooke O'Shaughnessy uh, introduced cannabis to the to Western medicine uh, after uh, spending uh, numerous years in India and learning about bong. Um, and he wrote uh, about the many therapeutic uses of cannabis, uh, including the time when it when it helped the child with uh, convulsions. Hmm. And um, you know, yeah, it's early on. And, and and you know, that's just a glimpse into what we have seen as medicine and and minds have evolved and and the the view of cannabis has changed i mean anybody just needs to look up the history of the cultivar charlotte's web uh to know about mm -hmm. how cannabis has helped and and here we are looking back to the 1800s mid 1800s uh, helping it with a child with convulsions. And we're seeing epilepsy and seizures being, um, you know, greatly reduced by cannabis in studies in the United States and in Canada right now. Like this is, the, you know, we're, we're basically looking at a glimpse of time and then living in that time where it's evolved to. It's incredible. Yeah, uh, yeah, totally, man. I, I love it. <laughs> love working in the cannabis space. It's, it's awesome, man. Um, with uh, with kind of going back to the history here, uh, I, in the wake of the uh, the revolution of 1910 uh, in the United States, um, many Mexican immigrants uh, flooded the labor markets in the U.S., uh, creating heavy tensions uh, within the American society. And these Mexican folks brought with them the knowledge of, of smoking cannabis, so uh, pipes and rolling it up. And, and it kind of led to a xenophobia and some racist campaigns uh, that were then created uh, to, to create negative views of cannabis and kind of tied it to the, uh, the Mexican, Mexican immigrants, which led to nationwide problems uh, with that. And that's the, the term uh, marijuana was kind of coined there, too. Uh, it's a bit of a derogatory term. So. Uh, early on, 1910, um, it was just kind of some issues kind of aroused there. And then in 1914, we had the Harrison Act, and that was declared in the United States, and it was, a, it was where it was a crime to use drugs. Yeah, and that's the real, that's where the real unfortunate part of the, and that's where that devil's lettuce, devil's weed, it's evil all comes from. It started, um, you know, through, through racism. And, you know, it's, you know, it, listen, as we've talked about, today's society is, you know, certainly a more open-minded to marijuana, but there are still uh, proportionately more people of color uh, behind bars for marijuana crimes, which is ridiculous. And that's uh, exactly where it started was, oh, let's use marijuana uh, to tag it and, 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 and kind of associate it with people that uh, aren't, um, uh, you know, white Americans or whatever it might be. And, and that's the unfortunate thing. And, and we know that has not truly gone away. The whole stigma has 
continued, uh, you know, as we as we get into like 1914, the Harrison Act declared in the U.S. where drugs became a crime. And even though drugs and, and marijuana specifically is not a crime in some places anymore, that stigma has continued. So it's this is the this is the part of the history that gets me angry about it. Um, take yeah. us into into the 1930s. You know, we go from the 1914 Harrison Act, where it's like, okay, now it's a, a crime. Before it was a medicine, now it's a crime. What happens in 1937? Yeah, so the uh, the Marijuana Tax Act uh, so banned the use and sales of cannabis in the U.S. So. Uh, all kinds of flip flop in there, um, uh, just in terms of like people using hemp uh, for for you know clothing and ropes, uh, but they, they just strictly banned the whole use across the board there. So uh, super frustrating. Yeah, it, it's so frustrating because we know if you, if you know anything about hemp creep. Crete, uh, you know, the, the strength of hemp ropes, as you mentioned, and the benefits medicinally. But this is where the fear started coming in, because also there wasn't a, a massive amount of research, uh, you know, being done or, or had been done. So, you know, people saw cannabis as this, uh, you know, drug that made you lazy, thanks to that racist, uh, xenophobic campaign. But we started to see some more research being done um, almost during that kind of the, the marijuana the flower power era of the 60s <laughs> totally man right yeah uh in, in 1964 uh cannabis legend dr Raphael mashulam uh and is an israeli chemist uh discovered and synthesized the molecular molecular structure of thc uh so this guy's one of the uh, top dogs in the cannabis world uh he is the godfather of the endocannabinoid system uh and thanks to him uh we really started to see kind of um, more of that medical side with cannabis uh, in, in, in a scientific way. That is such, you know, when we look back at the, uh, you know, maybe the Mount Rushmore of moments in cannabis history, that yeah. has to be on there. I mean, that is one of the I top so. four uh, that allowed us to to be able to look into this plant so much more and to know how our own endocannabinoid system and our CB1 and 2 receptors and the different, you know, it was, it was probably years later we, we discovered the things that work with them, but just to know about that is so great. And then only, you know, six years later, and, and this is a guy who, you know, was public enemy number one for any cannabis fans or cannabis advocates, basically Richard yeah. Nixon, um, you know, he took the cannabis world and he just made it so almost impossible uh, to legalize by making it a schedule one drug in 1970. Yeah, just awful. Like schedule one drug, uh, same as heroin, LSD, uh, crystal meth. Uh, so he's throwing cannabis in there. It just doesn't make any sense at all. It's, it's brutal. Um, but I think, do you know what's a classic example of just poor decisions based on, you know, some political agendas there, uh, just not a fan of that at all. I, uh, I, I always think that uh, with Nixon there, you said, I, I am not a crook. You are a crook, man. You, you shouldn't have done that to cannabis. Well, it, 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 this is what he did. He won an election based on people's fear, right? He, he, he promoted yeah. fear um, among uh, cannabis users, and that that's how they won the election. Uh, it's, it, I, I, it's, it's kind of a similar but a different um, method, 
for what Justin Trudeau did in Canada. He won the election by putting legalization uh, on his platform. And it brought out a lot more people that weren't going to vote. So it's unfortunate that became a political decision and a part of an agenda. uh, Because how far ahead would we be if we didn't have to go from 1970 into most most recently uh, where we could actually enjoy cannabis? Because... There have been um, a lot, a lot of people standing up for this plant over the years, Chris. Yeah, absolutely, man, right? Uh, All kinds of activists uh, and, and, you know, people kind of preaching the medical side, too. Um, And, and, you know, we've just kind of since things have relaxed here in the last three years with legalization in Canada. Uh, And if you look to the the United States, too, we've only got, uh, there's only four states left uh, where cannabis is completely illegal. A lot of uh, medical states, and, and there is even some, you know, uh, all the way through uh, uh, sites there. So, um, yeah, it's, it's come a long way from just being uh, illegal and stigmatized uh, to being essential and literally helping uh, people's lives uh, through the medical use of the plant. So it's, it's great to see. And it's amazing that, you know, we have, you know, Canada uh, has, you know, around the world, and you've traveled around the world, when, when people around the world hear about uh, you're from Canada, they, you know, and they're cannabis fans, they think BC bud. And and Canada has been able to lead the way with legalization. I, you know, I think we could be the legal Amsterdam because people don't know weed is not legal in Amsterdam. It's decriminalized, but it's not legal. They want it legal. Uh, but everybody yeah. goes there thinking you could just walk around smoking weed all the time and you they really can't do that. Not that you can walk down a, a shopping mall smoking a joint or anything, but you can smoke a joint outside on your balcony. Uh, you, there are places where you can walk down in a street in, in Edmonton and smoke a joint. I would recommend you put it out if you're around people just to be considerate, but it isn't legal in Amsterdam like it is in Canada. And we have an opportunity once we get through this pandemic, obviously, for cannabis tourism to really take hold in, in Canada. And, and then also for other people to know that it's not just BC bud that makes Canada great. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. Um, I, I was in Amsterdam uh, just about 10 years ago, and I remember like being in the coffee shops and, and hearing people, uh, tourists coming in that, uh, you know, barely spoke any English, but they were asking the bud tender for BC bud. They wanted that BC bud that they'd heard about. Uh, so I think it was, it was cool to kind of see on a global scale, uh, British Columbia being known for, for good bud. But um, I think since things went legal here in Canada, we're really starting to see uh, Alberta and, and the other provinces too. Uh, Nova Scotia, Ontario's got a lot of great growers. And, and we're kind of like, I, I'd like to say, think that every province has got some quality growing in it. Uh, and that's just due to, you know, Canada and Canada has been kind of uh, hand in hand there yeah totally i'm i i'm really excited about uh the the production across our country uh, the superstar growers that we're going to find out and get to know that uh you know some of them are brand new to cannabis uh maybe they were in uh, other forms of uh, horticulture some of them are coming from the gray market or and 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 have uh, crossed over into the legal process and so i love it uh and, and, you know, like we said, there's great ones in Alberta, and you guys are one of them with natural history. This is what I've uh, been using today. 
is the ACDC Terp Sauce vape cartridge uh, because it's, you know, I'm, you know, our catchphrase on this, our slogan on this show is it's not just about getting high, uh, it's about getting healthy. And while I still do love uh, to uh, use THC in the evenings and stuff, my days are much different now, Chris, where I cannot uh, get into the THC uh, during the day when I have different things that I I need to do or, or, you know, uh, things like that. And I like the balance and I'm loving the options that are out there. So that's what I'm going with right now. But you have something that is just launched uh, from Natural History. So tell us a little bit about that. Oh, yeah, totally worth talking about for sure. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a brand new pre-roll SKU uh, that just got released here in the Alberta market as well as Ontario. Uh, it is a three-pack of pre-rolls. The genetics, it's meat breath. Uh, yeah. So definitely a, a heavier, you know, indica dominant hybrid there. Uh, it, it's one of my favorite cultivars that we grow. Um, it is uh, the genetic cross of meatloaf uh, crossed with a Mendo's breath, uh, initially bred by Sug Pug Genetics, which is legendary breeder. Um, and with the meat breath, it's kind of it's one of those cultivars where, where the name can be a little polarizing, uh, where people are like, I, I don't want my breath to smell like meat <laughs> Uh, and whatnot, but it, it's it's just a heavy, hard-hitting uh, cultivar that, uh, you know, I find uh, it's a long-lasting, powerful high, um, and, it, you know, it gives me the munchies, makes me feel super good. Um, yeah, so it's pretty exciting to, to see these, these pre-rolls hit the market, too, and I think it's kind of a nice way for people to dip their toes in the meat breath pool and see if it's for them. Uh, but so far, everyone that I've kind of checked the the meat breath out with, uh, it, it, they've been a big fan of it. So it's, uh, it's super exciting to have these pre-rolls uh, in the market. You know, people should also know that if they smoke like a green kraken, that a giant kraken monster is not going to come out of their mouth either. Like, <laughs> yeah. for, for it to be, it's kind of funny, but I do understand a little bit. I will say, though, meat breath is a powerful smell like it it does like the very first meat breath i ever had was from the gray market and it was too much i almost couldn't finish it all Uh, it was it was really strong and then i had um i'm trying to think of who i had uh, the meat breath from on uh, the legal market when it came out and it was dynamite it was really good and so uh, I'm looking forward to that one also um, it's not a, a sativa which I've uh, found uh, for me just uh, you know don't work as well right now and and that's the wonderful thing I think about cannabis and and experimenting with different things is you find out what works with you and what doesn't work for you and then you stick to it especially if you're somebody like me who you know certainly uses CBD for my mental health but also so uh, some different cultivars and different um, um, terpenes and different things like that and, and, and the different cannabinoids that are out there that can, can aid. And, and we're just, you know, we're just getting started with this. Like we just ran through, uh, you know, 20 minutes of history uh, and we have so much more history to make when it comes to cannabis on the recreational and, of course, on the, the, the medicinal side. I mean, we wouldn't be here with legalization for rec- recreational marijuana without the medicinal push in Canada. So we should also, uh, you know, thank the that part of uh, the Canadian history in cannabis that that kind of got us here too, right, Chris? Uh, absolutely. Like we need to honor these people. Uh, I, I know when we first, you know, talked about doing this show, I was so excited to to kind of do a show where we could kind of touch on the legends that helped kind of make the cannabis industry what it is today. 
um, all these people that took risks, uh, you know, back in the 60s and 70s to kind of try and, and spread the love and, and knowledge of cannabis throughout the world. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's great for us to, to have a platform to talk about it. And um, I think, uh, too, if any chance that we have to, you know, break the stigma uh, with cannabis and try and get people kind of uh, realize that it's not just uh, uh, something that's, you know, hippies and, and lazy uh, owners are going to or criminal too. that exactly. Um, I'm, I'm sick of kind of feeling like a, the outcast and someone smelling, a, you know, I'm smoking a joint off to the side in the smoking section, let's say of, <laughs> of an event. And, and I'm getting looks from people and it's like, you're sitting there pounding your, your whiskey and that's okay. I, I don't like to drink. Uh, I like to smoke and it's, yeah, it's or legal judge. and you know, don't judge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally man. Right. You know that so, that's the yeah, thing. And that, that, you know what that's going to be the battle, right? We're you know we're three years in. Um, nobody nobody thought it was going to be easy to change minds, and some minds won't be changed. But the amount, listen, you worked in in retail. The amount of um, let's talk, just talk about the the senior uh, clientele. The amount of senior clientele that are coming into cannabis, whether it's recreational because they used to try it or they're looking for something. You know, I I I love going into a plant life and seeing a senior person ahead of me, and then they'll the, oh sorry I'm taking no take your time. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I don't want to rush anybody, but of that clientele uh category i just think it's so amazing to see the amount of people going out there so uh, the the amount of education that is out there um needs to be improved that was the reason we started this show and so this is another opportunity where we can uh spread some proper information and and i can't wait to check out that meat breath i'll be heading to my Mm -hmm. local cannabis stores which are the plant life locations in saint albert jensen lakes and uh aaron ridge uh so i'll be heading out and checking that out uh they're order days are monday so for anybody that's out there i I shouldn't be telling these people these things because it's going to take away from the great products that i get but order days are important (laughs) chris maybe you touch on order days because that's when all the new great stuff comes in from your previous time in in retail how cool those days are for for you guys and for the clients that some of them are waiting because they know what's coming in yeah right i mean order days i i always loved order days and i've you know, received hundreds of, of cannabis orders in my time in, in the retail stores. And uh, I remember at my, my Jasper Ave Nova, Mondays was our delivery day. And I loved Mondays. I got so excited for Mondays because it was new weed day. Uh, we'd always get the fun new stuff. Um, always had like a little bit more of my staff on to kind of help with the order. And our and our guests would know, hey, this is uh, re-up day was Monday. Uh, and, you know, what's new and, and hot when the regulars come in and they kind of get used to the same old stuff you got. It's, it's always nice to get a boost of some fresh product uh, into your store. So yeah. uh, order days are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Mondays are the days I, you know, I'm in plant life on a Monday because I know, and you know, I give them time because it is a lot of work on order days as well. You got to get that uh, all unpacked and, uh, and logged in and stuff. So uh, I always give a little bit of time, but Monday afternoon, I got the work day done. I can slide in there. You know, if there's something I w- specifically knew was coming in, I might, uh, you know, get in early to make sure I got it. But I think it's awesome. I love walking in and, uh, you know, just whoever is in there, whether it's, you know, Myron or Maddie or any, any of the people that are in there and just saying, what's new today? Because it's like uh, every Monday you're a kid at Christmas. Yeah. Uh, yeah, totally. I, I think for myself too, when I was working in stores, I was a customer too, right? It was like, yeah. what's new? What am I taking? What am I taking home with me today? And it's like, Oh, you're working, but there's new weed. I, I just can't help myself. I got to 
check it out, try it, I can be able to talk about it and yeah. share my passion. But that's important. You need to be able to do that. If you are working in a retail store, um, you should be trying the products. And listen, if, if THC is not your thing, there's lots of non-THC products that you can try. You don't have mm-hmm. to use THC to, to work in the cannabis industry. There's there's no rule or law against it. But you should be able to talk about, and, and we all know cannabis is different for everybody, but there are some experiences that each person as a bud tender or, or somebody working in retail manager should be able to offer to the customer if they have tried that. And if they are fans of THC, they should be trying a little bit of, of everything. Not all, You don't have to get a lot of something. But you should be trying mm-hmm. different things so so you have that knowledge to be able to pass on. Yeah, I, I think that's super important to be able to, to talk to guests in stores. And, and I think, too, guests respond uh, better to, you know, if you have a personal experience about it, if you've got a story that you, you heard about a guest, um, you know, that picked it up or one of my regulars got it last week. And here's what they said. Like, mm-hmm. it's good to kind of share that knowledge and info. And, and I think everyone's aware, you know, it's not always going to be the same thing, right? We all have different biologies, different endocannabinoid systems, but um, just to kind of share that, that general, that general story uh, just helps kind of get people excited about products. Exactly. And that's another great point for, for anybody listening. Don't be afraid to mention to the bud tender, you know, if there's 40 people in line, they probably want to move you along because they got to do something and and get the next person. But if you have some time to have a conversation, don't be afraid to say, this is how this made me feel. Or, you know, with some of the the bath products and the bombs and stuff like that, I loved giving, you know, this is how I felt when I get out. It wasn't quite a high, but it was a relaxation. Or I can say, you know, this, the, 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 the ACDC Terp sauce from Natural History and, you know, really... really quelled my anxiety a little bit one day or things like that. Again, we are all different and and it's not gospel that just because I did this, it's going to work for you, but it does give some sort of idea uh, to the person of, of what they could expect, but might not as well. So also important for the, uh, the client, uh, the customer rather to be able to say, you know, share their experiences, uh, because then it's, it's information, but like you said, to say, you know, this person, uh, tried this and, and this was the, the outcome again, it, it's all different, but can't wait, uh, to get into, uh, my local plant life when the, uh, meat breath comes out. And I'm really excited <laughs> about these new segments that we're going to be doing, uh, the natural history of cannabis and there's a lot of it uh chris thank you so mm-hmm. much uh chris ianson territory manager with natural history cannabis my name is dean millard this has been a lot of fun we'll talk to you guys again next week